Well, in Houston, I'm John Herter. It's Tuesday, the second day of May. It's great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a virtual networking opportunity flow accelerator, helping leaders across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format, like a TED Talk with interaction. If all goes well, as your curiosity is sparked, new ideas accelerate into action, and you may have helped yourself or somebody else solve the problem, make a connection, reach the opportunity faster. You know, networking has never been more important for your business. I want to thank the FTE sponsors and partners, Hewlett Packard Enterprises, Endeavor Institute, Unique Ventures, Ecosystems 2030, and the Canon, and individual members like you. Your support is absolutely vital for our important work together. Folks, help me welcome our guest expert, Abhijit Anamdar. Abhijit is the founder of Siri Noor, a startup committed to making aviation emission-free. Abhijit founded Siri Noor after 20 years in the industry, the energy industry, where he also focused on venture tech investments in a wide array, including unconventional oil and gas, hydrogen, industrial blockchain, and carbon capture. Experience is all that shaped his understanding on how to develop, commercialize new tech products, and build strong teams. Serving as a board member or advisor on over a dozen companies, Abhijit has been recognized 40 under 40 by heart, most admired Global India, Passion Vista Magazine, and Entrepreneur of the Year by Indian Achievers Forum. Abhijit, man, I'm really grateful that we've had this time to reconnect with you as you're kind of moving from hydrocarbons to hydrogen. Uh, and today, really better to understand why you've selected hydrogen with an all-electric engine package and some of the key challenges you're facing uh, to see maybe this group here has uh, some things that can offer to help you guys along the way. All right. Uh, thank you, John. And uh, thank you, everybody, for making time. Yeah, definitely excited to uh, share uh, part of my journey, which is from hydrocarbons to hydrogen, uh, as, uh, as John mentioned. So uh, today, I hope uh, we all uh, look at some of the challenges in aviation and then how electrification of aviation can solve those challenges. But at the same time, uh, there are obviously challenges implementing the uh, viable options of electrifying. So we'll discuss some of that. But before that, uh, I would like to uh, share a brief video what Sirinor is doing. Uh, then we'll come back to a couple of slides. So John, if you could play the video. Agus, can you uh, unmute, please? Our purpose is to deliver electric propulsion technology to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions. Aviation is responsible for about 3% of global CO2 emissions, or almost a billion tons of CO2 each year. If no further action is taken, aviation's share of global CO2 emissions may grow to 12 to 18% by 2050. Compounding the matter are non-CO2 emissions, such as nitrous oxide, particulates, and contrails which have a two to four times higher impact on climate change compared to CO2 alone. Electrification is the best way to tackle this problem. We believe that recent advancements in battery energy density, fuel cell technology, green hydrogen production, and storage will usher in a new era of true zero emission aviation. Sirior will be at the forefront of this revolution. Our unique engines are driven by an electric propulsion system. The energy can be drawn from a battery pack, hydrogen fuel cells, or a combination of the two. 
Compared to sustainable solutions based on turboprop engine, our engine allows for larger aircraft, greater distance, and higher speeds, even supersonic speeds. We believe we have the only sustainable concept for long-haul aviation. Because our engines are non-combustion engines, they are less complicated and less expensive than standard jet engines. For more information, please visit our website. So uh, let me share a couple of slides uh, and then uh, we'll get into discussion of how everybody can help, I guess, uh, decarbonizing aviation. I'm also turned on a, a poll, so if you guys could answer that as well. Okay, uh, you see these slides in the uh, screen? Yeah, we got it, good to go. Okay. All right, uh, so let's discuss a couple of interesting things happening here. Uh, aviation, uh, I think, and I think uh, most of us do understand, do bring people closer together. And more people will be traveling in future, especially because the population is going to grow. Uh, we all love to travel, uh, see places and all. Even the pandemic kind of restricted some of that. We think it's going to come back. Number of flights globally, uh, the trend is going to be doubled by 2050. That's the estimation. Uh, and also private jet aviation uh, uh, is booming, especially during pandemic. It picked up and it's continued to uh, boom. Uh, it's, it's really uh, uh, picking up pace. Uh, on the other hand, the supersonic aviation, uh, especially the commercial, commercial supersonic uh, travel is also coming back. But both of these have one big problem. They are uh, extremely carbon intensive, anywhere from five to 10 times uh, than, uh, than the existing commercial travel. The other kind of uh, macro trends are, which are happening, especially in Europe, is, is the uh, term called uh, uh, shaming, travel shaming and all that, which, which basically means people like to see less traveling by air because of the jet fuel emissions than taking the electric trains and all. But uh, we think instead of uh, banning the private jets or banning travel, uh, we should come up with a solution that's, that's electrified or zero emissions. And this is where uh, Sirinor is working, uh, if I can change the slide here, uh, with the unique hydrogen electric uh, propulsion system that is uh, reducing all type of emissions, uh, the, the CO2 as well as non-CO2 emissions such as SOX, NOx, and et cetera. The way this will work is we'll have a hydrogen storage tank on board. We'll have a multi-stack fuel cell system oxygen concentrator, uh, depending on the height. And then the uh, and our engine, that's the uh, early stage DRL level here. How it will work is the hydrogen go from the storage tank towards the fuel cell stack, oxygen either from air or concentrator into the fuel cell. Uh, fuel cells, electricity will be generated by chemical reaction. And that electricity will be used to run the motors, which will in turn will run the system uh, as a whole. And that will give the enough thrust that's required uh, for the jet engine. In the whole setup, the only emissions here would be the water, uh, water vapors. So this setup has already been tried and tested in uh, automobile industry, as you know, by Toyota Mirai and others. It's also been tested in propeller aircrafts by companies such as Zero Avia and Universal Hydrogen. Uh, they have done a fantastic job putting all this together uh, and testing in 19-seater as well as uh, 40-seaters recently. And uh, they are so confident that this will all go through the certification and regulators that they would like to bring this 
uh, to commercialization by 2025-26. The other major players are also working on this, such as the Rolls-Royce, Airbus, uh, and, and few other players. Uh, but keep in mind, the propeller aircraft is, is only the 15% of the total addressable market in terms of traveling uh, or, the jet in, or the engines itself. And this uh, takes care of only the short distance flights. The bigger market, that's the jet, uh, which is 70% of the TAM, uh, especially the long haul flights and all, that's more important to decarbonize. Uh, and some of the actions are being taken by big players, uh, such as the Rolls-Royce, Airbus and all. Uh, but most of those uh, are focused, especially uh, the uh, uh, articles we found online, they are focused on the hydrogen combustion and also using the SAF and a few other things. But again, uh, all these solutions, uh, if since there is a combustion part, they will not eliminate the non-CO2 emissions, which are major greenhouse gas emissions as we uh, saw in the video. So the viable options uh, to reduce all type of emissions is electrifying. And the two ways to do is the batteries as well as uh, the fuel cells. Both have the challenges that we all have to address. And I'm sure some of you guys are working on those, which I would like to hear. Uh, the storage and transportation uh, safety factors, the full value chain or building the full infrastructure, the range, especially in the, in the bat usage of batteries, uh, you cannot fly more than 1500 kilometers and all. So anyway, these are the challenges. Some of these things I would like to discuss and hear from you. Uh, and as John has started the poll, I would like to see what the poll results are and then open up for uh, questions and uh, also the uh, discussion. Guys, go ahead and finish up uh, the poll questions, if you wouldn't mind. If you haven't done it, we've got about 75%. Thank you very much, Abhijit. So those of you that are new to the FT show, this is uh, that's the expert talk. Now we're going to open the floor up. We're going to continue to use the chat, but also use the raise the hand tool if you like to verbally share. So we have a couple questions. And Gus, if you go ahead and drop the first two in there for you to think about, respond to. You may also have something that you're thinking about uh, independently that you heard Abhijit say, or you just ask a question that you want. So please raise your hand uh, or uh, go ahead and send it in the, uh, the chat. So with that, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. I think that's it. Do we have anybody on the floor who would like to go ahead and um, let me go ahead and conclude the poll. I'm gonna share the results Abhijit as we go to the floor, hear what the results say. These are the folks that have responded. Yeah, so how concerned are you about environmental impacts? I mean, glad to see uh, uh, some of them uh, or most of them are concerned. Uh, so right. that's a great start. How important is it to uh, for you to fly airline that prioritize sustainability? Again, uh, majority of you are saying yes. So uh, definitely a relevant topic then to discuss. If you scroll down a little bit, uh, what's next? What's the best way to eliminate uh, emissions from long haul commercial aircraft? Uh, so using SAF is one of the answers. We'll discuss that uh, using batteries, a few of them, fuel cell combustion. So a good mix of that. Uh, and then what, what I would say, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, for long haul emissions, batteries, as I discussed, range is the problem. So hydrogen combustion becomes, uh, hydrogen combustion as well as uh, SAF are solution, but they will not take care of the non-CO2 emissions as we discussed. So uh, I think uh, the fuel cell uh, way of, uh, or the electric way using fuel cell is, is the uh, long-term solution. 
What's the best way to store hydrogen? Anyway, uh, so those, those things. But I uh, would like to hear from you guys uh, and John. Yeah, thank you. So uh, Sandeep says safety regulations are not established in aerospace. So how are we going to move ahead with this? Yeah, no, thanks uh, for that. Uh, so as I mentioned, uh, some of the uh, uh, the two companies that have done the testing, especially in the propeller aircrafts, the uh, using hydrogen fuel cell system, they are already working with the regulators uh, and most of the uh, countries are under the pressure after the Paris Agreement and the net zero goals that everybody's putting together. So policymakers most likely will be conducive to work with uh, with the technology providers as well as airliners, aircraft manufacturers, uh, all the all the players in the system to, to make sure we bring the right solution to the market and everybody has to work toward net zero or, or zero emissions altogether. So that uh, I don't think that's a question of if, it's, it's, it's going to happen, it's when. Uh, so that's my opinion. I would like to definitely hear from others uh, who, uh, who might have something else to say. Right, so you can raise your hand or you can just step out and uh, take the microphone now. Um, so as we're, we're waiting for that, we have folks that are coming from the automotive industry. We have folks that are coming from oil and gas, from legal, from uh, uh, venture capital. Uh, Steve Cohen, I, I know we talked very briefly in the beginning. What, what's your reflection from what you've heard from Abhijit? Anything to share? Well, I think the way I would pose, I guess I wouldn't pose it like an either or question, you know, should we be using batteries or hydrogen fuel cells or sustainable aviation fuel? I think uh, there's going to be a natural evolution uh, toward electrification in aviation. You know, it's it's a ways off and there's, there's many challenges to solve something like, you know, in, in comparison, sustainable aviation fuels can be nearly, if not a drop-in for uh, airlines uh, and their carbon intensity is significantly lower than um, you know oil and gas based than, than petroleum based fuels so if you think about you know the area under the curve of carbon that we're putting into the atmosphere it's even though uh, sustainable aviation fuel is more carbon intensive than let's say fuel cells or, or electrification it's still, um, in my opinion, a very worthwhile thing to push for as soon as possible so that we can start reducing the amount of carbon that we're, we're putting into the atmosphere. And then as electrification becomes technologically and uh, economically and regulatorily <laughs> viable, we, we move to it. Uh, but I, I, in my opinion, it's still, there's many challenges to uh, to solve and we should not overspend now right. solving those problems to the detriment of things that are virtually here like sustainable aviation fuel. So Abhijit, any yeah. uh, No, I think uh, I agree with you Stu. I mean, the interim solutions have to be there. And as you said, uh, all, all solutions have a role to play. Uh, for example, batteries, uh, short distance travel makes sense uh, uh, with batteries rather than going for all fuel cell, uh, similar to what car industry, automotive industry is doing. There is room for uh, everything. And end of the day, the goal is to get get towards net zero. So any low carbon solution helps. Uh, and, and obviously, 
the the uh, the fuel cell wise uh, it is harder uh, in terms of implementation so all uh, technology development has to take shape uh, and then make sure all the safety concerns everything is addressed before it becomes a real solution so, uh, for longer term. So. so just a real quick one, several folks are like, can you give us a feeling for how close are we to SAF in jetliners? Do anybody know, how, are we months away, years away, Steve? Abhijit? You know, uh, I am not really sure, but the I guess the big difference is that chemically, these fuels are identical to petroleum-based fuels, like nothing has to be, in principle, nothing has to be changed in the um, infrastructure to in order to utilize these fuels. So from a technological standpoint, we're there. From a regulatory and uh, business standpoint, I don't really know, but not far. Yeah, right. so in terms of SAP, a couple of things I can add, if I may, is, uh, the the biofuels obviously that that uh, can be easily implemented 10% 20% of uh, but the challenge is it is competing with the uh, with the feedstock so uh, it may or may not uh, compete in long term then but there is synthetic uh, uh, sap that's coming up also which right now is expensive uh, but in future technology development it, it will be competitive right. but, uh, okay. overall sap will be uh, in terms of uh, meeting demand it, it, it it's not going to be the only solution as we all know so yeah so uh, and, and some of our members are reporting that yeah it's already flying it's just not in a large way right so we're, we're getting there now some questions on the uh, all electric uh, technology where are you in the trl process as one of them and then one of our other members is saying Hey, wouldn't it be you know easier to start with something small instead of a you know long haul jetliner? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it is easier to start uh, small, and that's uh, that's what uh, the industry is, is doing step by step. Uh, as as we as I showed you, the zero ABI universal hydrogen and few others. So propeller aircrafts are the step uh, that most people are taking. Uh, for Sirenor, uh, we are definitely taking a stand to go for long haul uh, the engine development. Which, which is part of the puzzle. Uh, so uh, it will also take a little bit longer, uh, but somebody has to work on that uh, uh, now. So we have a solution by end of 2030. So that's that's the approach. But again, it is uh, right. We have to take step-by-step -step approach, uh, which includes all that uh, SAP solution, battery solution, all electric propeller aircrafts. And all right. Those. So Kathy is asking, hey, what about uh, your H2 storage? What is it made of? What are the materials you're using uh, that are suitable there? Yeah, so hydrogen storage wise, uh, a lot of companies are working on that. So we personally will not be working uh, on how to solve that problem. We'll be uh, partnering with companies. Uh, there, there are so solutions uh, in gaseous forms as well as liquid form. Uh, gaseous form has been tested recently, uh, but long term for long haul, I, uh, we think a liquid hydrogen probably will be the solution then yes, there are uh, challenges on storing uh, cryogenic conditions and all. But some of the companies are already working on that. Same goes for the fuel cell uh, development. A uh, lot of things are happening. And fuel cell itself, the technology is more than 100 years old. But how do you customize it for aviation? And how do you customize it for long-haul aviation? That's, that's the part we'll, we'll be solving uh, along with some of the partners. And today, obviously, uh, uh, one of the things we are looking for is, is uh, partners. Uh, exactly. And so. Right. And investors, right? Yes. Uh, from the investment side, 
uh, and or the technology side. Um, any questions uh, in terms of the challenges? We've talked about some of them, but uh, what else do we have out there from the group? Uh, let's see. Uh, it looks like I've got something here. It talks about availability. Um, okay, Sameda is saying, asking, sorry, I messed up your name. I know it. Do you already have partners in the fuel cell tech? Uh, because I know you're looking for them, but maybe you already have some there. So the way we're approaching this is we are having discussions. Uh, and uh, since uh, the technology development is happening rapidly, right now we're not doing any exclusive partnerships. Uh, we, we are having discussions, but we're also uh, working with the universities as well as research folks who are looking at the uh, to customization of, of this long haul flights uh, where fuel cell will be used. So definitely open to discuss uh, if you are if you guys are working on fuel cell technology. Uh, and since we are uh, based in Norway, uh, uh, Europe, a lot of things are happening there. Uh, engine technology wise, uh, we're working in India and we, we also have folks in US. So we are already a, a bootstrapped global company, if you will. Uh, right. looking for partners all over the world. Uh, and since this is a global product, collaboration is it's much needed uh, just alone. We're not gonna solve the problem by ourselves here. So I guess that's a call out to any of you guys as you're listening to this, if you have people in your network that you think would be advantageous to Sirinor, maybe it's your firm, maybe it's not, uh, definitely connect with us and uh, we'll get you uh, to each other. And I know that uh, Cassie, you've asked about the presentation. Yeah, we can make that available. And I know that you guys are uh, um, an interesting engineering firm. You do systems engineering, different types of things. Um, you know, could you talk a little bit about that, whether it's uh, you, Cassie, or, you know, maybe Abhijit in terms of system engineering, what, what are you looking for there? This is Cassie Casanova. I'm with Rhino Onward International. We're a company that actually builds hydrogen plants. So we'll be producing hydrogen and using renewable energy to do that across the country. So that's my market. Thanks, Cassie, appreciate that. Yeah, in terms of systems systems engineering, I mean, that uh, it is a bigger problem to solve. I mean, I think the uh, the idea itself is, is, uh, uh, is viable on paper, technical and everything. The engineering challenges are uh, of, uh, the most important to solve. So that, that's one of the reasons it will take time. Uh, and in aviation, uh, people's perception is everything takes time. But the, that, in my opinion, at least, uh, uh, is, is not true uh, to 100% because things are moving faster, especially lessons that are being were learned before most uh, companies are applying them. And also the policies and funding and resources that are coming together uh, are helping. And in terms of hydrogen economy itself, uh, yes, the, the other challenges uh, are the transportation of hydrogen itself, how the airports are going to uh, store them, uh, refuel them. Uh, so multiple stakeholders uh, are working on it uh, and uh, it, it, it will not be a segregated uh, uh, problem to solve. Everything has to come together uh, for this to, to be a, a viable option. And end of the day, uh, uh, like I said, uh, the policy makers will, will play a major role uh, the funding-wise, there is a lot of funding, uh, but some sometimes, uh, yes, they, uh, I was also a venture capitalist, so we we do uh, most of us are risk averse, but uh, we're definitely yes. looking for somebody who is willing to take some risks and have the vision. Uh, well, so so you, you know, you talk about uh, timing and and 
the certification process. Uh, you know, when does this, what does market entry actually look like for you guys through that whole thing? Yeah, so for us, uh, uh, what we're banking on and obviously uh, sharing the, uh, uh, the testing that was done by others, uh, so uh, that helps us because these guys will, uh, they have already started the process of certification using uh, the, the systems uh, that, that, have, uh, that are flying in Europe as well as in US. Uh, so uh, we'll come uh, on top of that uh, for long haul systems. But it is, it is going to take at least three to five years to uh, build the prototype and, and prove it and commercialize it and all. Then the certification happens in parallel. Uh, but we are hoping the first commercial flight with this uh, system, with our engine for subsonic jet, uh, would be by 2030. Got it. Uh, any other questions uh, from the floor? Here's one that's talking about, could you do a little compare and contrast on, you know, why hydrogen and not SAF? And, and is this a, is this a, you know, one part of the world versus the other? Yeah, so uh, why, uh, why SAF, uh, why not SAF? I SAF will be there uh, uh, in terms of uh, like uh, people have said, it's already been used. So we are taking, uh, the industry is taking step to start lowering the carbon, uh, uh, at, at least using some part of SAF and all. But uh, as I said, the biofuel, if it's competing with the food stock, the, it will not be a viable option. The total SAF, uh, 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 at least the, uh, the estimates that, that are out there, it will meet only 10% of the demand. And if you start going for synthetic SAP, uh, it is expensive and it will still not meet the full demand of, uh, of replacing the whole jet fuel. Uh, so we need solutions. If we wanna replace the all jet fuel, we have to have hydrogen as, as a bigger part of it. Uh, and in terms of cost effectiveness, we, we have done some uh, calculations for using jet fuel versus hydrogen fuel cell systems for 19 seater all the way up to 150 seater. And what we found out that the bottom line op operation cost per kilometer actually is, is a one third or one fourth of using jet fuel, especially when you consider the taxes that are coming. And uh, some of the taxes are already announced in Europe, uh, like $140 uh, per ton of CO2. And that's again, only for CO2. We think non-CO2 emissions will also be taxed at some point. But eventually, if the taxes are coming, going uh, pure electric makes more sense. And SAF, uh, I'm not denying SAF will be will not be a part of the solution. It will be, but it will be a smaller part. Got it. So we have folks that uh, are coming from all kinds of fields out there. Um, could you talk a little bit? Here comes one uh, about your engine itself. Um, the exact VP as well, and I'm not sure what VP means. I'm sorry. Value proposition. Thank you. <laughs> Can you talk about the value proposition of the, the engine and where you are in the development of that? Yeah, uh, so the biggest value proposition is, is the non-combustion part of uh, engine, uh, which will give enough thrust uh, to run the jet engines, uh, subsonic, uh, long haul. But at the same time, the biggest value prop, in my opinion, is it can also go supersonic speeds. So uh, that we have started with the supersonic uh, engine, uh, which will be non-combustion, uh, basically using hydrogen fuel cell. And the non-combustion also means uh, less heat or minimal heat will be generated, uh, which is kind of uh, important for defense perspective uh, where, where stealth mode is one of the applications. So a uh, few value propositions there, uh, uh, supersonic uh, commercial flights, uh, 
uh, will be coming 2030 and beyond. Uh, me personally love to travel fast. And I think most of the millennials, most of the people love to travel faster. So that is also coming. And uh, as I said, supersonic will be six to seven times more carbon intensive. So if we have an engine, uh, we think we have cracked the code for that. Uh, if we can use our engine into supersonic flights, that will be zero emissions from day one. So we don't have to create a problem by uh, getting supersonic uh, uh, first and then then solving the problem. So we we are already working on the uh, uh, problem or to solve that problem, basically going zero emissions with uh, hydrogen fuel cell based uh, engine. Got it. Um, anybody uh... just to uh, just to add, just to clarify, we have done the patent search. We have done the uh, using global IP firm. So there's nothing like this. So we we feel confident uh, that this this will work. Uh, obviously, we just have to build it now. So we have a doubter that says uh, supersonic with fuel cell, and then uh, the conversation continues around, um, you know, uh, is this going to be liquid or gas storage of hydrogen? Have you gotten that far to make a choice? Yeah, most likely it will be liquid. Uh, but yes, the, the challenge, the bigger challenge, uh, supersonic, the weight will increase and all that. So we have done the feasibility study uh, using third party, which, which we looked at. Uh, additional weight of 30 to 40 percent uh, because of the hydrogen storage tank as well as fuel cell so even for that the 19 seater uh, uh, with supersonic speeds is feasible using our engine which will be zero emissions so so we have done all that we can discuss uh, offline the details on that so one came in it's talk uh, for michelle good to see you michelle uh, this one is talking about which countries are providing commercial viability of hydrogen cell engines in or on land or in marine vehicles. Did that make sense to you? Or Michelle, do you wanna, can you just pipe up and <laughs> say it better than I did? Maybe not, so take a shot at it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'll take a shot. Uh, commercially, uh, as far as I know, uh, it's not approved. Uh, as I mentioned in the slides, 2025, 20, 26 is uh, the earliest, I think, uh, zero RVN uh, in UK and universal hydrogen in California, they are looking at it. Uh, so they are working with the regulators as well as getting everything certified. But hydrogen fuel cell on, on land, I mean, that's already used in the automobile industry. But yes, flying the whole system, that is the uh, perception why safety challenges are there. A uh, lot of companies are working on it uh, and then uh, the leakage problems and everything. So. Okay. So so Ravi, if you, if you wanted to voice your question, go for it. I saw a thumb. I didn't know if that was a hand or, <laughs> but Leonard, thanks for the question. It says most of the present pipelines handle below 2,200 bar hydrogen pressure, uh, making technically and economically very challenging to switch to H2 instead of just supplying SAF, right? Midstream. Uh, are there ideas on how much and would be the cost to, to build the uh, liquid H2 midstream across the continent, that kind of thing. How are you going to supply it? Yeah, so uh, uh, I can be honest saying I don't have the answer for how much it will cost, but we are uh, doing the studies, uh, what kind of uh, hydrogen pressure-wise, uh, 350 bars or uh, 700 bars and all that. So we're looking at, we're doing studies with the partners uh, in, in Norway uh, and also some partners in Europe uh, and India. Uh, so hopefully we have some of those results by end of the year. Uh, we, are, we are also applying for grants uh, within Europe and Norway to, to understand these uh, concerns and, and do the studies to get, get the answer. Uh, we have done, as I said, we have done the feasibility study for the engine itself that we are confident uh, the weight itself and everything will, 
uh, will be okay to fly subsonic speeds as well as supersonic speeds uh, with, with the way we have designed the engine. Got it. Um, people like that question. They're curious about the infrastructure and the ability to uh, have the supply where you need it. Um, I don't see any other questions on the board right now. Uh, any other ideas around uh, partnering or other technology questions that you guys have for uh, Serena work? Now's a good time. Uh, let's see here. I see something here. Uh, what have you built so far? Good question. What actually has been done? What can you show for all of this effort? Yeah, no. Uh, so where we stand right now is we have, uh, we have the design on paper uh, for both subsonic, supersonic. We have done the feasibility studies for both. Uh, we have filed for patents. Uh, we have the optimal design ready to be executed, meaning the first prototype will be built this year. So we are starting in June. Uh, we are raising money for that. Uh, we have raised some, uh, so definitely looking for more investors uh, to, to get, get to that level. The first prototype that will be built will be to show the, uh, the engine works and gives enough thrust without combustion. That's the idea to prove the technology works. Then, then we'll build, uh, that will be the scaled down version. Then the, in the roadmap, it will take about three years to build the full scale engine that will be ground-based tested with the hydrogen fuel cell system and all, which where we're probably looking at $20, $25 million of investment. So uh, definitely whoever is ready to invest and look, uh, taking those risks, uh, welcome to have this discussion here or offline. And right. long-term we, we will be testing it uh, on the on the jet, we are discussing with some of the aircraft manufacturers as well as as well as airliners for partnership, uh, and some of them look promising right now. So uh, we can discuss all that offline. Right, and so you have some questions about who you're working with uh, with fuel cells. Uh, uh, you know who's going to be the winner in the competition for uh, the field that you're in. And one of the thing you you shared a little bit on the roadmap, but I mean what. Uh, is there something that is there an area specifically on that roadmap where you're like we really need to make some headway in this area or we're looking for partners specifically that you could mention yeah so the key elements are the fuel cell and the storage uh, which we are all discussing here which are the yeah. challenges so sorry any company that's that uh, uh, obviously a lot of companies are working behind the scene and, and most uh, most of them are not publishing things. So if you think we are, you are there and would like to partner with us, uh, let's let's talk. Uh, the fuel uh, in terms of jet manufacturers, uh, we do have a couple of really good discussions ongoing. And if they materialize, things things will move faster in terms of other partnerships also. So uh, everything is looking promising uh, this year. So. Well, a couple a couple things here. One, uh, Sandeep is saying, hey, I haven't seen Boeing actually working on the hydrogen. Is there any reason for that? And then while you're responding to that, uh, I think Steve uh, came up with the question. No, it was Brian. He's thinking operating costs. You know, what's the cost of operating the fuel cell compared to jet engines? And, you know, how does that pan out? Yeah, so let me answer that question first. Uh, so we, we did the detailed uh, operating cost per kilometer analysis for 19-seater uh, using the jet fuel versus using our engine. And we also did that for 150-seater. So for 19-seater, I think it's about uh, 0.9 to uh, $1.6 per kilometer for uh, using our engine versus the jet fuel, which is about $2. So uh, the, definitely cheaper than uh, jet fuel, even for 19-seater. When you go to 150 seater, uh, it's a, the the gap is even significant. I think for 150 seater with jet fuel, the numbers were around uh, three or four dollars per kilometer, 
and for us it's about same the dollar ninety uh, and it uh, and that's based on the hydrogen cost uh, projections which are two dollar per kg or less. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, if, uh, if if I if in, if I need to clarify, let me know. Yeah, and Brian, you could follow up with that if you need to. Uh, and then we had this conversation about flowing. Yeah, uh, Bo yeah, Boeing and others, the big players, why they're yeah. not doing it. Uh, I'm, I'm right. sure they are, they are working on things on their own uh, and also uh, doing some partnerships. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I can answer this uh, in, in a way. Uh, uh, if, when I was a VC venture capitalist uh, working uh, or investing in startups, every time that, was, that question came up, why the big players are not doing it? And the same answer is there. Most of those big players are uh, worried about their legacy business. Uh, they have a lot of baggage. They want to make money with existing things. Uh, and they let the startups, uh, passionate founders, uh, do, the, do the additional work, which will be uh, either groundbreaking or, uh, or things that, that uh, big companies uh, don't have focus on. But once these guys, once the startups prove the technology, then obviously they will either buy them out or partner with them. And then that's that's how traditionally it has worked in all, mostly all industries. So aviation is not an exception, I think. This kind of a follow-up to the costs of operation. Is fuel cell actually going to be more expensive uh, than the standard? Uh, or is it going to be less expensive? And can you just talk about the costs around that? So the the, uh, the detailed uh, operation cost analysis that we did for uh, with our engine, uh, which also includes uh, since it's an electric engine, the life of the engine cost is lower because there are less moving parts and all, and then obviously uh, the fuel cell cost itself and the hydrogen cost, all of that was included in that. So we can get into all those details, uh, but it's similar to comparing your uh, Tesla car versus IC engine. Uh, less so classic. Moving. Classic here, hey, are you actually including all the costs like transportation and liquefaction? Is that all built in, that kind uh, of thing? Not, not, not the full value chain. Uh, the, so that that part, as I said, it's not, uh, right. I don't have the full handle on, but uh, just when it comes to the engine and how for one particular jet, we have done that, so. Right, okay. Uh, Rick Butel, I'm glad you could join us. And I know you, you're kind of coming out on this conversation. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, are you at Bloom, are you in conversations with folks that uh, are looking at uh, this kind of system on board? I don't know if you can share what you're seeing from your perspective. Sure. So I guess, uh, depending on where you are, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Um, and I think that, you know, with Bloom's place in the value chain, particularly around hydrogen, um, we are talking to, I'll go more than several, I'll say many different project developers who were looking to use our solid oxide technology, not so much as a fuel cell in this application fed by hydrogen, but more as an electrolyzer to make the hydrogen, which ultimately could get consumed in an onboard fuel cell, right, to power aviation. And while I wouldn't say specifically there are people that are focused on, you know, this precise end market, I think what, what is fair to say is that many of the sorts of projects that are under development and are all waiting for specific treasury guidance and or waiting for clarity around hub funding, um, a lot of those are focused on mobility. And what I would say is several of the developers we're talking to have cited 
not just the mobility cases that we all know well, heavy trucks and buses, but people are talking about aviation now, which I think is very exciting and really builds into the topic that uh, we're talking about here today. Uh, any feedback, Abhijit, on that? Yeah, no, I, I mean, that that's <laughs> excited to hear uh, uh, you guys uh, look at the same way and then uh, working on a lot more projects. So yeah, aviation uh, personally, uh, uh, I think that after pandemic, a lot of people were thinking uh, aviation uh, travel will come down. Uh, and also uh, uh, in Europe, the flight shaming uh, campaign is going on, but uh, I, I don't think the, uh, the answer is to uh, stop flying. Uh, the answer is to find a solution to, uh, to have a guilt-free travel, which is the electrified traveling zone. Uh, that's right. Uh, any, any last questions from the group here? We're, we're starting to run up against time. Uh, I can see that we've got a case study that's been shared by Kathy. Thanks for that. Uh, we, we have another question. Uh, what are the skills required? Wait, what are skills required for future ready? Are there skill sets that we don't have yet that we need? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, hiring talent is one of the things I'm looking at, uh, especially when the money comes in. Uh, so uh, in terms of uh, for our engine itself, uh, we are, I mean, there is talent already uh, across the world, uh, but to building new talent at, uh, uh, around the hydrogen fuel cell technology, how to be implemented into aviation for flying and all that hydrogen storage, that talent is needed. Uh, but in terms of, if you talk about hydrogen production side uh, and all that, that, uh, that I think the renewable energy companies have done a fantastic job in terms of, and the electrolyzer companies and also the talent is there, but how do we, uh, uh, bring everything together for uh, for the top for especially for serene or jet engine and the electrified jet. Uh, that that's where we are. Uh, we do need to work on a little, little bit more, uh, and we have to also train some more some more folks. Uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, but again, uh, training is a lot easier than the attitude. I guess if we all have the right attitude and have the right vision. Uh, and we all work towards the net zero goals. Uh, that uh, that's easy to follow. I mean, look at me. I come from pure petroleum engineering, oil and gas. And now I'm I'm looking into aviation and decarbonizing. Right, right on. So so talking about money, can you can you give us a profile uh, for the type of investor that uh, you guys believe you're looking for? Yeah, I think we need we do need the patient investors uh, and also who look at looking at the impact side of it. Uh, uh, again, we will be a commercial company. We, we, our goal is to end up the day make money, not just, uh, it's not a charity, right? So uh, the investors should not shy away from this saying, this is something just, just to show uh, they are doing something on the impact side. Uh, we are looking at uh, financial investors as well as strategic investors. Strategic investors in terms of uh, uh, airline manufacturers, uh, sorry, air, aircraft manufacturers or airliners, engine players and all that. Uh, and at, at the same time, strategics in terms of hydrogen production side, uh, hydrogen storage side, fuel cell. So all of that comes into strategic play. Uh, but end of the day, the patient uh, uh, is, is the key. Patience is the key. Yeah. So a couple of things. Uh, Michelle uh, is saying, hey, wouldn't the Norwegian government be a large investor here? They've got tons of money, right? Uh, and then the, the second question that came through is, more on the permitting side, and, you know, where do you see the tough spots there? Yeah, so Norway government, as well as European government, a lot of money is there and they are willing to help. Uh, and as I said, we are applying for grants. Uh, uh, they look at uh, 
they don't just give away money, right? So there has to be application written and a proper partner should be there. And uh, they, they're also, one of the condition is whatever they give, we have to match with the private money. So we have to keep looking for private money. So uh, that is, uh, they are willing to give us two to $3 million, but also we have to raise from outside. Uh, so that's, that's uh, one of the things we're doing. Okay, super. And then uh, I think that, you know, we're going to go ahead and do you have any last comments that you want to put out there before we close it down, Abhijit? I think I uh, just want to thank you for the whole group uh, for making time this afternoon, evening, as I said, and the afternoon. Uh, we, we are definitely excited about this. We are here uh, to go all in and uh, to, to make this, uh, uh, it's a dream come true in a way, uh, and also to meet the net zero goal. So thanks, thanks so much. You know, folks, how was the expert talk and discussion today? You can see the survey. Please take a few minutes now and complete it. Uh, it makes us get better and make the show even better every time. The post-show notes uh, will hit your mailbox very soon with what the information that you need. And next up from the experts, the new FTE Hewlett Packard Enterprise solving problems with AI channel starts up. It launches on May 16th with guest expert Dale Brown, global head of AI and machine learning software, leads the discussion is, if AI is the future, why do so many projects fail? On May 19th, FTE welcomes special guest Lorenzo Simonelli, CEO of Baker Hughes, limited seating and sponsorship available. With over 2,000 members, 20,000 followers across more than 25 industries, the FTE network is growing quickly thanks to you. Please check out our library of expert content available to members on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Register for more shows just like this one on our website at fte.network. Thanks once again, Abhijit, and to all of you from the experts. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.